investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Welly. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks, Cons. How you doing? Happy, what day is today? Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It's the first Wednesday of the month, and thank goodness January is over. It was a brutal, brutal month, at least in the stock market. Temperature-wise, too. Yeah, and today- It's beautiful out. Today's like 40 degrees. 39 degrees. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Let's jump into, let's shift gears from the weather to the stock market. Let's uh, let's get a little rundown on where the stock market has been uh, these past few weeks and year to date. Yeah. So for the Dow Jones, a year to date, we're still looking uh, in the red here. We're down two and a half percent. Well, that's better. That's an improvement. We cut our losses in half. Definitely. Five day up three and a half percent. So that's not too shabby. Uh, the S&P is still down again, four, almost 4.5% four uh, year to date. Last month down just over 3%, but again, the last five days, almost 5% increase. Uh, and then we're looking at the NASDAQ, kind of the same theme. This one, we're down over 8% year to date. Uh, over the last five days, we're up 6%. So following the same theme. And the Russell 2000, same thing again, down over 9.5% year to date, but over the past five days, almost 3% increase. So the two worst performing indexes, we've got the Russell and we've got the NASDAQ. we got small companies, we got tech companies, we got high valuations with technology. So it's no secret, this started last February, for those of you paying attention at home. Uh, the small cap stocks are the, the smaller companies. They tend to get harder, uh, hit harder in this type of environment. So that's pretty expected, right? No surprises there. Now, how about oil and gold and energy? Let's take a look at those. Uh, oil and energy has been on fire as of late. Let's see here. Year to date, it's up 18 and change. So quite a difference in disparity between the Dow, the S&P, which is down, what, 2 and 4% mm-hmm. respectively. And this is up 18 and change. Well, um, I, I'm still liking the energy sector. I think as inflation goes up, I think we could see uh, oil approach $100 a barrel, which is where it was many years ago. Um, it's been kind of in detention, in time out, I guess, if you will, for the last decade. Um, but I think this may be the time for energy to shine. So the one-year number on this, believe it or not, is up almost 69%. Well, Yeah. Yep. And uh, put that into perspective in the last five years, like I said, it's not always the place that you want to just hang out in. Last five years, this is on average lost almost 8% a year, (laughs) despite being up almost 70% this year. So it's pretty volatile, uh, as can be expected. You don't always want to have money put to work there. But right now, I do think it has its time to shine. What about gold? We know about gold. So why do people buy gold? Any idea? I do not know why. Safety, fear. Um, when they think the market's going to go down in value, gold is kind of a place for them to feel safe. 
it's a real asset. You can mm. touch gold. You can use gold. It has some some uh, real physical uses that you can you can apply for, and um, it's also a hedge against inflation. So if you think we're going to have big time inflation, traditionally gold would be a great place to be. Um, Maybe at, it makes sense now then. Possibly yes. Possibly yes. So if I look at this year today, gold is pretty flat. So I'm looking at the GLD. Um, year to date is up 0.34%. Nothing has really materialized. Last year, it's down about 2%. On the five-year average, is up 45%. So it seemed to kind of hit a plateau late in 2020, and it's been trading sideways ever since. I just had a client ask me about this the other day, about gold, adding gold, commodities, precious metals. Um, the, the traditional thought process was buying that for safety, the market's going down. This is kind of like a safe haven. And that coupled with rising interest rates and inflation, this would be a way to hedge against that. Again, I don't know if it'll actually materialize. Time will tell. And then how about the alternatives? And, and this is where I, I think it may have an impact on gold in some of those traditional places we used to go. Cryptocurrencies. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about uh, Bitcoin? So we we actually have some clients where it's the right fit that they want to have uh, exposure to uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, might be uh, Litecoin. And uh, we have the capability of investing even in retirement accounts. So With not, Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, Bitcoin Trust, we've got Ethereum Trust, we've got a Litecoin Trust, uh, both in traditional, non-retirement, and retirement assets. But anyway, if we're looking at the volatility, they're quite volatile. So uh, how are we doing year to date? Let's pull that up. Down about 27% Damn. on Bitcoin. So these are no joke. This is not a place to uh, put money where you, you think it will be safe. It's extremely volatile. Um, in the last year, if I look at this, it's down 31%. I think from its peak, it's down just shy of 50%. Bitcoin. Yeah, and uh, we were talking a bit earlier, um, a certain prominent NFL star uh, <laughs> on a Los Angeles team took a lot of his contract in Bitcoin, and we're talking almost a million dollars, several hundred thousand dollars. And uh, with what we've seen, the performance with Bitcoin, uh, he's down so much money. I believe like, it. Hundreds of thousands of dollars just gone. So how long ago was was this like a couple months ago or I think it was you know I'm not exactly sure but I think it was maybe 4 to 6 months ago. Mm, that's going to hurt. Something like that. That's going to hurt. So if I if I remember correctly in the October November time frame that's kind of where Bitcoin peaked out mm -hmm. uh reached almost uh, 70,000 a, a coin. Now it's trading at about 33 yeah. 34,000 a coin. So he's down about 50%. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know too many people that like taking a five or 10% haircut, let alone 30 or 40 50, or even 50. Yeah. But again, it's temporary. If the guy's not living off it, if he's not going to be selling those coins, if, if this is a long game and he's willing to risk that and he has other assets, who am I to tell him anything different? Yeah, It wouldn't be my strategy of investing. <laughs> it's not the way I roll. Um, I'm more conservative and there's not um, too many things that I don't like, but the one thing I don't like is losing money. That is for sure. Well, but, I agree with you there. You know, I, you know, I worked in a casino. Mm. Um, I did consultant work. I saw people lose their mortgage payments. 
their mortgage payments in 30 minutes and it happens. And so I've seen it happen. Um, I'm probably the most boring guy to go to the casino with. I'll pull out my, uh, 20 bucks and play whatever it is, whatever game it is. Uh, maybe I set a hundred dollar budget and that's it. And when it's done, it's done. I, I look at it as entertainment. Mm -hmm. Maybe I got a few cocktails, maybe, uh, listen to some music, had a chance to possibly win. It's like the lottery expect to lose. Uh, and if you win or even break out, even that's a win to me. Yeah. And then you get to watch your friends lose all their money. So, or other people, you know, and you have, you go to the craps table. It's like, it's like a social event. You go to the roulette table, social event, blackjack could even be that way. So there's a lot of, a lot of fun, excitement. You play a slot machine. Um, you know, I'll tell you what the house usually wins. It's where they generate 75% of the revenue. It's not table games slot machines. Uh, getting back to Bitcoin, um, when you have, I, I have seen even some uh, politicians and whatnot that are looking at uh, taking their salaries and putting it into Bitcoin. If you look at the five-year number on Bitcoin, 1,989%. I mean, it's just, you know, so if you're playing the long game, um, that, that may be okay for you. I mean, it's definitely a gamble. Um, but Again, we do have clients that invest in it, a very small portion where it makes sense. And again, that is money that's uh, being put to work as a speculative play. It's not a place where I'd put all my money. And I definitely wouldn't put my salary there. Just, <laughs> just my two cents. So um, what's your take on the market? Um, yeah, well, we, uh, we talked about January a little bit. Um, honestly, it's been one of the worst January returns on record for stocks. Um, and there are some worries that January could be a warning sign for the rest of the year, but again, nobody really knows. Um, we said it was a bad month, right? But it could have been a whole lot worse uh, over the last two days of the month. The S and P 500 alone added almost five percent. So it was, you know, they kind of rallied to end a tough stretch. Um, the Dow Jones, the S and P, they both snapped three week losing streaks just in the last two days of January alone. So that's uh you know, hopeful for the future. Um, now it's been mostly flat this week, but, uh, you know, the last week or two of the month were a bit crazy, but as we said, luckily we saw them rally a little bit and they're starting to come back. Um, now we'll see what happens this month. And, and you know what you, I just want to point out how you, how you just went through that dialogue. You said it was just in a matter of the, the past few trading sessions, mm -hmm. which recovered a lot of those losses still not a, a stellar month it's not nothing to yeah, get excited about but like i said it could have been a whole lot worse a lot the worse last two days were actually very helpful and that's a good point because i've had a couple clients most of them already know what's going on they listen to the show they read the blogs they look at the newsletter um and they hear from us but i've had some people that ask is now the time to get out markets down 10 to 12 is it going to go down to 30 or 40 I don't know that. You don't know that. Nobody really knows. We can make estimates and forecasts. But really what I would ask is, has anything changed with your time horizon? Do you need this money any sooner? Right. If the answer is yes. Well, then maybe we need to revisit it, regardless of what the market's doing. But it's time invested in the market, not timing. I've never seen it done right. You sell now, when are you going to buy? Next week, next month? If you miss the last week or so of trading, you just gave up half of your recovery. Right there. S&P was down almost 10%. And now to hear it's down four and change year to date, 
You just made up half your loss. Mm -hmm. And it happens so quick. Just as fast as you lose it, it can come back. And remember, if you're having those dividends reinvested, you're buying as the market goes down. It's like a dollar cost average. So I, I think uh, we're still keen on energy uh, financials. Time will tell on interest rates. I know we, we have the Fed that's kind of boxed themselves into this corner like we talked about in other shows. They have the certain tools to their disposal. And right now they're quite limited. Rates are near zero, so they can't go down. They can only go up. If they go up too fast, all of a sudden the economy's in a recession. That would not be good for anyone. Mm -hmm. Anyone. We don't want that, and I don't think they want that. But at some point, they're going to have to raise rates. With that, I think this is a good place. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show, Sam. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. So what are we talking about in this portion of the podcast? Uh, we're going to take a look at you know, some client or prospect case studies uh, and then kind of twist that into questions and hopefully we can help some other people with similar questions. Yeah, I think this, to me, this is this is one of the most important aspects of the show. It's real life questions from our existing clients or prospects that are reaching out. Um, this, you know, with the market the way it's been, we just rattled off a few numbers on year to date and what things have been doing, causes people to panic, have some questions, and that's really where you see movement. That's where people start coming in with the inbound questions and prospects that want to become clients. So go ahead. Let's let's hear what you have this week. Yeah. So we were talking about it, I believe, yesterday or Monday. Uh, we have a client in Greece, and they called you up and they said we're looking to buy a home. And I'm talking to Constantine about this, and I I had a question for him. My question was, you know, I I, know, I understand what we do here at Monarch for our people, but when somebody calls in and they say, Cons, I want to buy a house, how do you help them out in that situation? That is a that is a great question because I think uh, you know the majority of our client base knows that we provide more than just investment management. Right, they know that because they've been with us for a number of years. They've called in with questions. They've sat down and met with us to go over their situation. In this case, I am not a realtor. I am not a lender. What could I possibly help with? And that's kind of the question that you had is mm -hmm. like. What are you, you know, what are you preparing for with your client? What do you need from me? What do you need for me to help? And how are you going to help your client? So there's a couple things that we do. Number one is we use a financial planning software that aggregates all their accounts. What does that actually mean? It means we put all their stuff in one place. So we take a look at it. And what does that do? How does that help in this situation with buying a house? Well, number one, it tells us what their cash flow looks like. 
How much money do you make? How much do you pay out in taxes? Are there things we can do to improve things? We work with their accountant. Okay, so now they're going to buy a house. Have you seen the market lately? I don't know if you've been shopping for houses. I always shop, even though I'm not ready to buy. Well, I'm not looking to buy a house, but as far as I understand, it's been crazy. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy market. My wife is a realtor. I know plenty of realtors. I know plenty of mortgage brokers. And if you're looking for a home, it is probably the most exhausting um, and I guess stressful times in your life right now. And here's the reason why. There's limited inventory. So you have your criteria. You want to buy a three or four bedroom home. You want to be in Fairport, great school district, Fairport Electric. Um, it's going to retain its value, right? But you and 20 other people are looking at that same house with that same criteria. Everybody wants good schools. Everybody wants uh, Fairport or Municipal Electric, especially when you have utility costs going through the roof. So now you've got 20 people looking at one property because you have limited inventory. All of a sudden, it drives the price up. So if you're selling your house right now, this is a great, great time. But where are you going? If it's a second or third home or vacation home, oh, I tell you what, you are cashing in. But what are you going to do with that money? You're going to go buy another property? So if you're selling a house, let's say you live down in Avon and you're selling your home and you're going to go buy a house in Henrietta. You're going to make some money when you sell your house, but when you go and buy a new house, you're going to overpay. Mm. Here's the other problem, and here's how we help. How are you going to buy the house? What would you do traditionally if you owned a house and you want to go buy a new one? Usually you're going to sell your house, right? So you list your house, and you go in and you buy another house, but you're contingent on the sale of your own house. And what that means simply is you're not going to be able to afford to have two mortgages at the same time, right? You have a $200,000 house in Avon. You go and buy a $500,000 house in Brighton. And you're not going to be able to carry $700,000 worth of debt. You wouldn't get approved for it, right? That plus you're not going to be able to afford actually making those payments. So what are people doing? And, you know, the dilemma is you have to be contingent because you need the cash from your old house to put down on your new house. So not only do you, are you not able to afford carrying two mortgages, but you need the cash to put down on the new house. You want to put down 20% on a $500,000 house, which is, I think in Brighton, you know, you're probably pushing 400000 That's $100,000. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have 100000 in just cash sitting around. So when we have this financial planning software and these tools, we look at the whole picture. Which accounts could we pull it from? And here's one thing that a lot of people are doing right now. They're borrowing money temporarily either from their 401k or other investments to put down as a down payment on this new house. They're going in as a non-contingent offer, meaning I don't have to wait or you don't have to wait if you're selling your house for me to sell my house. I'm ready to buy now and I'm qualified So that's one of the things that we did for this specific client is we found some sources that are non-retirement assets that we can temporarily liquidate, Mm -hmm. minimize the tax burden, give them the cash they need so they can put down up front. Any additional capital, 
we also manage 401ks for them, which many plans offer a lending component. So how do you think that affects them from a tax perspective when you borrow money from your 401k? Well, that's my next question was, how is that going to affect, you know, retirement accounts and pretty much any other asset management? In in this couple actually had the same question. Well, you know, how much tax are we going to have to pay on this? So on a retirement account, 401k, if you're borrowing this money, most of the lenders will let you borrow up to 50% or 50,000 of your 401k. They term this out over a five-year note. The interest rate is pretty nominal, anywhere from could be as low as 3% to 5%. A couple things to know about that loan. Who gets the interest? Is it your company? Is it the platform like Fidelity, Tiro Price, TIA Craft? Any ideas? No, I don't think so. How about you? So you actually pay yourself back, believe it or not. Really? Sounds kind of weird. Yeah, yeah wait a minute. But now there are some drawbacks. When you borrow against a 401k, guess what happens to that money? Let's say you had a $100,000 401k, you needed 50000 That's 50% up to uh, $50,000. You take a $50,000 loan. You pay some loan fees, might be a few hundred bucks. There's no tax. That was their next question. There's no tax. It's a loan. You're borrowing and you have a promise to pay back. But guess what happens at 50000 It's not invested. So you're pulling $50,000 out of the market over the course of a five-year period. Depending on how you're investing, it might make anywhere between 5 to 9%. And you're paying yourself a nominal rate of uh, return 4%. Let's just say. You pay that over five years, you now also have a new payment that comes out of your paycheck. So those are all things that you have to consider. And, you know, those are not pre-tax dollars. So you're paying, uh, you're paying that loan back with after-tax dollars. And you're not getting a tax break for doing it. So if it's a temporary situation, which is what it would be in this uh, client's case, meaning they're going to use that loan coupled with other, um, you know, resources they have, other accounts with cash in it and investments, And we buy the new house, the minute they sell the old house, they pay off the 401k loan and they also replenish any investment accounts they liquidated. So the tax burden is low. On the 401k, there's actually zero tax because it's a a loan. You didn't take a distribution. And that's where we come into play. That's how we help our clients to give them the resources, the tools to understand how they can access their money in the same accounts. We didn't do anything fancy or different, but a lot of clients don't know that those are the options they have. They don't know the tax ramifications, and that's important. Some people might think they know. They go and they fill out a distribution form. They take 50000 out of their 401k. All of a sudden, they have 20% mandatory withholding on federal. That's $10,000, and they get a check for $40,000. let us say, what happened here? I asked for 50. Why did they take money out? Oh, taxes. Oh, and guess what? If you're not 59 and a half, you see any issues with that? There is an issue. If you're not 59 and a half, you're going to be subject to a pre-retirement withdrawal, premature withdrawal. That's a 10% additional 
penalty on top of the tax for federal. And then you think New York State's just going to say, okay, no problem? Well, New York State doesn't withhold tax, but at the end of the year, when you file your tax return, you're going to owe more money. So you see how, you know, there's a couple different things that just happen there. There's a tax element, there's an investment component, there's a way of accessing their money with a very, very short strategy session. We spent maybe 45 minutes on the phone. We outlined everything. We have a game plan. A lot of people who don't take advantage of those kind of resources, who don't have a financial advisor, who don't work with an advisor that does more than just invest their money. We're not just money managers. You know, when you when you hear the term holistic, it's a cheesy way of saying, hey, we look at everything, but we do. We look at the whole picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, you know, that's basically what my question was to you, uh, my original question. And I think it was a legitimate question. Yeah. I mean, you asked me saying, geez, cons, how are you going to help these people? You know, like you could do all the planning in the world, but what could you actually do to help them understand the decision on buying this house? So what else do we do with that? Well, if you think about the, the planning tools that we have at our disposal, now I can look at the cost of the new mortgage. Is your lender, is your realtor talking through the tax component? I'm not talking about income tax. I'm talking about property tax. The property was assessed for 150,000. Its uh, taxes are at 5,000. You're looking at buying this house for 300,000. Do you think they might raise your taxes at some point? Probably yes. So we talk about that and add that into their monthly expense. How does that differ from where you are now? What's your mortgage payment now? Look at property taxes, you look at insurance, you look at the mortgage, you look at the equity. Guess what else came up? In that conversation, we were talking about taxes. What do you think happens when they sell their house? Any idea? Uh, I assume they're going to make yeah. money. Well, yeah. So there's certain things that you have to consider when you sell the house. Mm. So if I sell my house and I make 75000 I got to pay tax on that money? Well, definitely, hands down, talk to an accountant. Work with your CPA. But the general rule of thumb is if you don't make 250000 that's make, not sell your house for $250,000. But if you make in profit more than $250,000 on your primary residence, you're not going to be subject to tax. Again, everybody's scenario is a little bit different and I'm not a tax pro and I'm not going to give tax advice, but that's why we work alongside of your attorney, your accountant, your CPA, your tax preparer, because those are all great questions. And people might be reluctant to want to make a change and it could it could better their life. It could benefit quite a bit. And they're just scared because they don't want to make the wrong decision. But that's why our clients trust us. Uh, they contact us. They ask us questions about buying a new home, selling a house, buying a vacation property, buying a business, selling a business. Because everything that we do, uh, whether it be investment advice, there's some kind of tax component to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. For sure. Okay. My sermon is over. It was a long-winded uh, uh, response, but I hope that answered your question and maybe some folks who had the same type of question on how we help. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. 
you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Welly. Welcome back, Sam. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for the the question uh, that you had. I think it was a legit question that a lot of folks have, uh, whether it be prospects or existing clients, or maybe, you know, people didn't even know that we we offer these types of services. But uh, great point. Let's move on to current events and latest news. Yeah, so we've been talking about this a little bit for the past few weeks, uh, and I'm sure everybody's kind of seen something about this. And it seems like every day you wake up and there's something new that's you know, happening. And of course, we're talking about the Ukraine situation. <laughs> and uh, the latest update now is the United States just uh, ordered 3,000 troops to uh, kind of bolster its allies. We're talking troops are being sent to Poland, Germany, Romania. And this marks the first major movement of the United States forces um, involved in this whole situation. So it's getting crazy because... It's I mean, definitely some pent-up uh, animosity, I think, mm-hmm, maybe. For sure. Um, some anxiety, some angst, um, some curiosity, wondering what's going on, what could happen. Um, so how many troops you, you said? Was it 3,000? 3, 3,000. So is that in the – in a, you may not know this. Um, is that in addition to the 8,000 that they had the week prior? I assume it's probably a bump up I from that. So. Okay. I think so. Okay, because I, I think it's a uh, – far cry from the 150,000 plus that are on the, on the border yeah. that, that Russia has. That's crazy. Um, I mean, it, and you know, I, I did see some articles saying, uh, making some accusations that the U S is kind of making this a bigger deal than it actually is. Well, of course, both sides are going to say, oh, the other side's Correct. doing this. We're not doing anything wrong. They're doing wrong. But I mean, again, it's definitely something you know, it's been getting a little more steam the past few weeks. and Agreed. People are starting to worry about it, and I guess it's, you know, for good reason, but it's kind of crazy. We, we haven't really seen anything like this in a while. No. At least now with a, you know, a country as powerful as Russia and the United States, because it's kind of indirectly, you know, both sides. And you mentioned this before we came onto this segment. Um, when was the last time you can remember a, a real conflict I mean, I'm 24, so it's been, I mean, really the only thing is just knowing there's been troops in the Middle East constantly pretty much my entire life. I mean, the only major news I remember like yesterday was when the United States finally uh, found Osama bin Laden, and that was like the biggest (sighs) news story, right? But really, other than that, I mean, there's been some recent conflicts in the Middle East, but I don't really remember anything that could potentially be this big nothing to write home about and you're right i mean i go back 91 you've got uh desert storm you look at 
uh, what happened September 11th, which was, I mean, September 11th was, was a big deal. I mean, to me, that was the first time on American soil that innocent civilians, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking like a military base or anything, but civilians, that was a, a, a clear attack on American soil. That was scary as hell. That was, I mean, that was straight up scary. I'm not even talking about the stock market. Forget about the stock market. It's like, what's going to happen? Where are they? Are they already here infiltrating uh, all aspects of government and, uh, you know, communities? It was scary. But um, is, is, if we tie this into the investment realm, what could happen? So let's think about what is actually happening right now that has been happening for the past few weeks as this story continues to develop, that coupled with inflation. So what have we noticed go up? And we said it at the very, very top of the show. What's the only segment that's up 15, 20% this year? It was uh, oil and energy. Oil and energy. And I think that that theme will continue. Again, I am not a commodities uh, trader or options trader uh, that just sits on the desk and trades those kind of aspects of the market. However, we have been adding more and more exposure to energy because I do think that they will continue to benefit from the, the current situation, whether it be uh, you know what's going on in Ukraine, the pent up, uh, just the idea, the concept of anything even happening, mm-hmm. just that alone. Has, like nothing has actually happened yet. Right. And I can't really see, uh, you know, something major breaking out. I hope uh, not. I, I mean, really, I really do hope not. Um, but, um, I guess, you know, the potential for something small to happen, both sides are sending a lot of troops to the same area, right? Um, the potential for something to happen is there, I guess. So what do you think that would do for, you know, average everyday people's, uh, portfolios, it, I guess. It would not be good. Yeah. It would not be good. And we certainly don't forecast any any um, conflicts. Mm. And I always tell people this, and I've, I've told people this for the last 10 years, because it's been pretty quiet lately. I say quiet on the front of any type of conflict. And I'd say, barring any type of conflict, mm. which we can't foresee, you know, the, I think the market as a whole, when you, when you look at things over a long term, you're not going to remember these scary moments and the moments could be anywhere from three to six months to maybe a couple of years, even a three year span. You think of what happened in the tech bubble. I don't know how old you were in <laughs> so I'm going back. Yeah. Like 2000. So in 2000, there was this big scare about like the software, the technology that we have because they only were, uh, you know, in the 1900s and they didn't adapt to this, what were they called? You, Y2K? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're talking Y2K. about Y2K. It was like, scary, what's going to happen? All oh, the computers are going to crash. Your bank accounts are going to go to zero. We didn't know what to do. And then there was this thing, are you Y2K compliant? It was like a big deal. You were like proud to say, yeah, I'm Y2K compliant. So that was scary. Um, and and then you, you think of what happened in 2000, 2001, 2002. The market was not good. Did people get out of their investments and go to cash. Some people did. And I can remember 2008. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the financial collapse, the financial crisis, and it, believe it or not, it could have been even worse than it was. That was scary again. And I remember Buffett coming out and saying, this is going to be a longer and deeper recession than you believe. And he was right. And But the reality is, if you sold and went to cash 
boy, did you really feel a lot of pain. So you, you sold at the very bottom. Is the market recovered? You never made that money back. Never. And I can remember having people that were older, that were more conservative, that were waiting for CDs. They wouldn't even invest. Think about this for just a minute. They wouldn't even invest in a CD, a certificate of deposit at the bank or with me as an advisor because we have access to certain things because they were scared that interest rates were going to go higher. So they kept it in cash. And I, I can remember 2005, 2006, I had an online savings account paying 6 7%. I mean, nuts, nuts. I mean, liquid cash account guaranteed, uh, no issues. This is a stock market. It's a market of stocks. It's not the guaranteed market. You don't make money every single year. You don't. And guess what? You actually get paid to weather the storm. You get paid for volatility. You get paid for having the guts to stay in. That doesn't mean blindly just invest and say, oh, it'll recover. Because guess what? There are some areas that will not recover. I am not keen on any technology or biotech that says in five or 10 years, we're going to start making some money, but invest with us now. How about we just wait, sit on the sidelines as they get hammered and crushed? And some of those will be gone. They're going to vanish. Their tickers are not going to be existing anymore. And that happens. Companies do go bankrupt. So I don't think it's just sit on your hands, do nothing, cross your fingers, everything will be fine. No, you have to make these tweaks. And you have to shift to places, areas of the market, which will capitalize or benefit. So your main question and my long-winded response to that is, what happens if if... Russia does invade Ukraine and there's a skirmish, there's a conflict, the U.S. gets involved, other countries get involved. We know that. I think energy continues to go way, way up. I think that some of the growth companies, again, that extrapolate valuations down the road five, 10 years, continue to get hit hard. And I'm not talking about established technology companies. I'm not talking about Google and Apple, companies that actually make money right now. They're big tech companies. Yes, they are. But they're making money right now. And I think that the value type of stocks, the industrial type of stocks, the companies that actually make stuff that you and I use, equipment, tools, components, whatever it might be, if they make something that's tangible that you can touch and grab, I think those companies are better equipped to weather the storm. I do. In values. That doesn't mean they're not going to lose money. I think they will too. Yeah. I mean, Apple last week posted record sales numbers. I don't know. I don't know. I think it was a new iPhone, maybe. I don't know exactly what it was, but they posted record sales numbers. And that's part of the reason we saw the market go up the last two days of January because Apple rose a lot. So, well, well think about current events. Like, what, what just happened? Uh, Google announced their earnings. I don't know if you followed that or not. I didn't see it. Okay. So they announced earnings and then they do this stock split. I did see the stock split. Okay. Right, where they say 20 to 20 to 1. Right? Yeah. Yes. So do you understand how that works and what you know how that event might be relevant? Uh, a little bit, but uh, I'm sure you could expand. So 20 for one split, essentially, when you have a stock that trades at 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 bucks a share, who's going to be putting money in that type of stock? Just one stock. It's going to be bigger investors. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, Mrs. Smith saves her uh, saves her money every, every month and she accumulates $5,000, you think she's going to buy one share of Google? 
she's investing? Probably not. Even if she has 100,000, how many shares could she actually buy? So what happens is when you have a stock split like that and you reduce the actual cost per share, your, your account value is going to be the same. So if you invest in Google, that 20 for one stock split does nothing in value just on that alone. But what it does do is it invites new investors, smaller investors, new money, maybe even bigger investors that have a million dollar account that didn't allocate funds to Google before. It gives them now the opportunity to buy in at a cheaper cost to accumulate more shares. So on the surface, it doesn't actually add any more value. There's no value creation. But I'll tell you what, because it opens the door to new investors, new money flowing in, when new investors start buying in, what happens to the share price? It also goes up. Mm. So that event itself doesn't really do much. But I, I do think that it is, um, you know, it's it's important to note that not all tech stocks are going down. We know the NASDAQ was hit the hardest, but not every tech stock is losing money. And that's, and that's really our job is finding the places throughout the market, whether it be a certain sector or a certain stock, an ETF, a fund that's going to weather the storm, make money in the current environment. Doesn't mean selling everything going to cash. It could mean selling some profits going to cash and reinvesting over the next few months. It could. It's a dollar cost average. What else we got going on? This weekend, uh, current events, uh, Pro Bowl, right? Pro Bowl, yep. Pro Bowl is this, yep, weekend, this weekend, and the following week is the Super Bowl. Uh, always look forward to the ads. I can't wait for that. Um, I'm going to be curious what types of ads we're going to see. Mm. You know, um, and that's your typical, like your Coca-Cola, your Pepsis, your Doritos, um, the snacky type of food. I know they're boring stocks or not a huge technology or something that's coming out. But guess what? Those are also some areas of the market. If the market does tend to head south because of a conflict or interest rate, things like that. Those boring companies that pay dividends two, 3%, those are places to look at, hmm. you know? Well, so why, why is it? Well, you're, you're really looking for safety, right? They're boring stocks. They're out of favor. Um, they really haven't taken part of the uh, fashion show. They're not in style, if you will, but they're they safe. haven't been. They're That's safer. The they're safer. Gotcha. And in the last decade, when, Growth companies are averaging 10, 15, 20% a year. Do you want to be investing in a Coca-Cola or Frito-Lay Doritos making 3 to 4% or possibly even losing money? Yeah, probably, probably not. not. There's nothing, like, there's nothing uh, sexy, if you will, about that type of investment. You know, uh, razors and shampoo and soap and, hand, well, hand sanitizer. I mean, I guess yeah, last couple of years, right? Right, exactly. Think of like Clorox. Um, the momentum that those kind of companies, Procter and Gamble, they make all these cleaning products and goods, uh, you know, has been on the rise. I think that, you know, now might not be the best time to look at those, but if you did own them during that period, I mean, hooray. All right. More of the power to you. With that, I think that, uh, wraps up our latest news updates. Looking forward to the Pro Bowl and uh, Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks here. So thanks again for listening. Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with Pennywise Financial and my co-host, Sam Gwelly. We will see you next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. 
Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC.